Well, it's great to be uh, together again. And as I mentioned last week, Denise and I just love to um, do this and to share um, with couples, especially in our church, because, you know, it's been said, as the family goes, so goes the church. And so as the, if the families, you know, in our church are healthy, our church is going to be healthy. Um, you know, your kids are going to be healthy spiritually. And uh, so it's great that you're taking the time to invest in your uh, marriage relationship. So if you would turn tonight to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, encourage you to take notes. There'll be a quiz at the end of, (laughs) and um, Denise, you want to pray for our time? Sure. (laughs) Mm. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're already in our presence, Lord, and just the joy of worshiping you together, lifting our voices, and now, Lord, we want to lift our our hearts to you and and ask that our ears would be open and receptive to just your word and and the the will that you have the plan that you have for what marriage is to look like what mm. families to look like and so lord would you just be in our time lord speak to each couple um, a specific word lord yes, into god. each of their hearts father may your word just go down take root and bear much fruit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we we noted, we kind of made this big idea statement that marriage is like taking care of a garden in two ways. The number one way is you get out of it what you plant into it, right? If you have a garden and you're planting tomato seeds, you're going to get tomatoes, not cucumbers. And um, you know the same thing is true in a marriage relationship. If you are planting the right things, you're going to get the right thing out of it. If you're planting the wrong things into your marriage relationship, you're going to get the wrong things out of it. So that was the first way. The second way that we noted that marriage is like a garden is was this, that um, in a garden, if you neglect it, what happens? Things die and weeds grow. And the same thing happens in a marriage relationship. If you neglect your marriage, the weeds of, are going to grow. There's going to be weeds of tension and anger and resentment and trust issues. All of that is, is going to grow, and the things that will die is love dies and vibrancy dies and passion dies. Therefore, we always need to be working in and working on our marriage. So we noted last week, a good marriage doesn't just happen. We have to be working on it if we want a healthy and vibrant marriage relationship. So hopefully that's the reason why you signed up for this class is you want to grow in your marriage and you want it to become vibrant. Because this is something that I've seen and noticed over the years that I've been, you know, a pastor and I've counseled a lot of couples, probably hundreds and hundreds of couples. And so I've had many, many encounters with couples, especially ones who have been married for a while. And maybe some of you, you haven't been married for a while. Just take note of this, because I've seen this happen with many couples who have been married for a while, is this, is that they still love each other. And they're still very committed to one another because, you know, they're committed to Christ and they're Christians. And so they, they, they love each other, they're committed to each other, but they're not in love with one another. Or at least not the way that they once were. And so this is one of the things that we have discovered This is one of the big ideas uh, for tonight, is that falling in love requires one thing, a pulse. That's all you need to fall in love, right? You just need to be breathing, right, in order to fall in love. And probably in the course of our lifetimes, we've fallen in love many, many times, you know, with, with somebody in the sense of that infatuation, you know, we thought, oh, love at first sight, whatever. So to fall in love, all you need is a pulse, but to stay in love, you need a plan. You need to have a plan. And so that is part of the goal of this six-week class. And, you know, the world is always wondering, is it possible? 
Is it possible really for two people to fall in love and stay in love over the course of a lifetime? And I think not only is that possible, but it is exactly what God wants to see happen in our lives. That we wouldn't just be people who are, are, that love each other and are committed to one another, but that we would be continuing to fall in love with one another. But in order to do that, we need a plan. And so two people who are in love with one another, who are, are that's, that God's working in their life in that way, they're going to have a vibrant marriage. And that marriage will be a testimony for Jesus. It will be a witness to the world, and it will be an example for our kids. So last week we began by giving you this picture of the house. And we were looking at last week, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll come back to that um, in, in later studies. We're going to kind of hover around there. But I want to just, re- or we want to remind you of a couple of things. So last week we started with the foundation of the house. And Denise, what was the foundation? What was that all about? Yeah, you talked about how the, the foundation, what that means is, is, is that it takes both the husband and the wife individually submitted to Jesus Christ, that that is first and foremost what's important in having that solid foundation, that you and your husband or wife both are like walking with Jesus, you're fearing God, you're wanting to please him, wanting to obey him, first and foremost, even above um, wanting to please one another. And really that's the starting point for a thriving marriage. Yeah, and we noted, remember, that in Ephesians 5, verse 21 says this, being submitted to one another in the fear of the Lord. And that last part of that verse was the key, is that we're walking to people in the fear of the Lord. And then we started talking about, secondly, the, the walls. And remember, we noted that walls, you know, like if you look around this room, the walls, we have some doors and windows over here, even though they're blackened out. But, um, you know, we have doors and windows. And what? Doors are entry points and exit points or points of entry. And windows bring in light and illumination. And the idea of the walls in the marriage is the first part of that verse. It's two people being submitted to one another. So it's that mutual respect, it's that mutual submission, and a big part of that is going to be communication. It's going to be how we talk with one another and communicate to one another, because those are the points of entrance and access, and and communication is what opens up the door and brings light and illumination in. And so we talked about the walls. We're going to really dive into that subject tonight, Um, but then we talked about The third aspect of the house, which was the roof. Yes, and every house needs a good roof, right? (laughs) We need that for covering. We want it for protection from all the elements around it, from the winds and the rain and and the intense heat and all of that. And really, this is a great picture of love. It's God's agape love, and it's a love that's pure, and it's willful, and it's sacrificial, And really, it's like intentionally desiring really the highest good in one another. And I love 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. It's a beautiful picture of this, that above all things, don't you get that above, like the roof covering? Above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Amen. So you got your foundation, you got your walls, you got your roof. But Matt, what are we missing? Electricity, we're missing the power supply. And that's where we saw in verse 18, where Paul says, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I noted, and if you missed this last time, you know, I think it's very, very ironic that before Paul says one word to the husband or one word to the wife about what their role is, he says, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit because he knows that we need the Holy Spirit's power in order to do what God has called us to do. So last week, we spent the majority of our time talking about the foundation and that whole idea of what it means to for two, two people, individually and as a couple, to be submitted to Jesus and submitted to his word. Tonight we're going to come back to the walls and this idea of mutual submission, mutual respect. And, you know, there's been many, many books, 
highlighting the fact that men and women are different. You've probably read some of these. You know, there was men are from Mars, women are from Venus. You guys heard of that one before? And, you know, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. You know, there's that one. And, you know, it's interesting. (laughs) You haven't heard of that one? Yeah, yeah, it's like the waffle, you know, guys jump from one box to the next, but women like spaghetti runs all the way through, you know. And, um, and, our, and it's crazy right now in our culture because our culture is really confused about men and women, right? We just had this vote yesterday down in San Diego. They want to redefine what a woman is. And um, it's absolutely just insane what is going on in our culture. But it is true that men and women have been uniquely made different or been made by God, but we've been made different. There are similarities, but we are different. We're different in the way that we look. We're different biologically, but men and women also are different in the sense that we think differently. We tend to see the world differently. We feel things differently. We do things differently. For example, going out. You know, things are simple for a man. For you ladies, it is, but for you ladies, it's a little more complex. Women... It's been said that women dress to express themselves. Men dress so they won't be naked. Um, That's the difference. (laughs) But when a woman is going out, she has to decide if she's going to wear her hair up or down. You know, she wear it down or pulled back or in a, you know, she's going to have to de- decide, is she going to wear flats or heels? Is she going to wear a dress or slacks? Is she going to put on jewelry or no jewelry? A man just picks some clothes up off the floor, smells it, looks for stains. <laughs> if there's no stains, he's good, right? You know, that's, that's guys. Men and women also talk differently. And although women in a lot of ways can be better at expressing themselves, you ladies also have the tendency to speak in code. And men are supposed to be able to decipher what that code is and translate the code. So here's what happens. A guy comes home from work and he says, hi, honey, how was your day? Here's where the code comes in. He has to pay attention to the tone. So if she says, fine, in a happy voice, that means she had a good day. But if she says, fine, and, and it's not so much in a happy day, then that means that she didn't have you know, that quite of a day or that great of a day. But here's what happens if he misses the tone. And all he hears is fine. And he's thinking, okay, great. She had a wonderful day. And so he wanders into the living room and picks up that, you know, male bonding device, the remote control, and puts on ESPN. And he's sitting there. And about two hours go by. And he's wondering, I wonder what's happening with dinner, you know. And she's upstairs in the bedroom crying. And he's completely oblivious. And he wanders up and finds her, and he's like, you know, hey, babe, you know, how are you going? And she's like, you didn't care two hours ago when you first got home. Why should I talk to you right now? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, <laughs> you know. So there's that code, right, that we have to learn to decipher. And here's the thing. Because of our differences, we must learn to have this mutual submission this mutual respect, despite those differences. And one of the best pictures, I think, in all of the scriptures of what that looks like and and practically paints a picture for us is found here in Philippians chapter 2. It's a great passage. A lot of people don't ever think of this passage in relationship for marriage. I think it is an incredible passage for couples. So we're going to look at this, uh, the first probably about five verses. And Denise, why don't you read it for us? Okay, so it says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. All right. So here's the big idea for session two. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Yes. Okay. 
people who stay in love learn to make love fill in the blank. All the guys are thinking a lot. (laughs) That's the key is we just make love a lot, you know. Now, listen, I will say this. Healthy sex is a great part and an important part of a marriage relationship. A lot of people like to downplay that, but God has given us an entire book in the Bible called the Song of Solomon that talks so much about the physical and intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. A lot of pastors like to allegorize it, but it was so much written by God because God knows, I think, that this is very, very important. And so he gives us this book. And we're going to look at that in a later study. We're going to get into some Song of Solomon. But the key is this. People who stay in love learn to make love a verb. That's the key. Okay? Have them repeat that. Okay. People, repeat this. People who stay in love. People who stay in love. Learn to make love make to look. a verb. A verb. All right. So look at our text again. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, esteem one another. The NIV puts it this way, and I love the way the NIV puts it. The NIV puts it, value one another. Value others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Now, notice this idea that Paul is saying that we are to value one another as being better than ourselves. Now, think about this. When you're around someone who's more important than you, you know, you're, you're with your boss or you're with somebody, you know, that you really look up to and it's like, you know, it's like this person's more important than I am. You know, how do you act around them? Do you correct their stories? Do you interrupt them? Do you try and one-up them? Are you trying to make others think that you're more important than they are? No, you don't do that. When you're around somebody who's more important than you, you laugh at their jokes even when they're not funny, you know? You, you defer to them, and oftentimes there can almost be this sense of like being an awestruck, right? You're awestruck that, oh, I can't believe I'm with so-and-so. The very few times I had a chance to be around Pastor Chuck, I used to feel, that was how I felt. Like, I, didn't wanna, I was like, I just don't want to say anything stupid, you know, around him, and, and uh, just you know, wanted to defer, like, okay, you, you talk, you know, type of a thing. Well, imagine a relationship between you and your spouse where there was still a sense of awe, where, where you, imagine a marriage where you actually said, I'm going to treat you like you're more important than me. Now, some of you are thinking, now, that's the problem, though. They're not more important than me. They're not smarter than me. Our family would be a wreck if I wasn't here, you know. I'm more organized or whatever it might be. But listen, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. Paul says, I want you to treat them like they are more important, not because they are, but I want you to treat them as if they were. Make them so comfortable and show them such respect that they always want to, get this, lean in your direction, that you're the first person that they want to talk to when they're going through something, that you're the first person that they want to share a great victory with. That's what happens when you are are treating somebody and, and thinking like, hey, you know, I'm going to treat them like they're more important than me, even though they're really not. What? (laughs) So all this time, (laughs) you don't really think I'm more important than you, right? You're just imagining, not really thinking it. Wow, I'm I'm shocked. (laughs) No, but seriously, the heart really of what Paul is saying in these verses is that what we think affects how we act. We all know that, right? What we think affects how we act. So our mindset determines the outset in our relationship. And so Paul's saying here, not just, you know, pretend or just, you know, imagine it, but he's saying in lowliness of mind, in other words, in humility, let each esteem others better than himself. And he goes on to say in that chapter how it all points to Jesus 
that it's taking on the mindset of Jesus Christ that's humble and sacrificial. And in marriage, this is not easy because our pride always wants to rear its ugly head. And it is a battle. I mean, I think no matter how many years you've been married, this is just, this is just a daily battle and issue. And um, I know it's probably hard to believe, but I don't naturally value this man <laughs> as <kidding>. more important <laughs> than myself, right? I mean, if you really strip it down and look at your heart, right, each of us, you know, we, we value ourselves. And a lot of times my own ambition and my own conceit can get in the way very, very often, actually. But I love here that what Paul tells us um, is I love that he uses the word let, and he says it three times in just this short exhortation. Did you notice that? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but the interests of others. And so the implication is that we have a choice. And so really we have to quit making all the excuses that we so often want to make or blame one another and instead say, I have a choice. I choose the way I think and behave toward Rob. You choose the way you think and behave toward your spouse. But the good news is that we can let this right thinking prevail in our marriage by willingly submitting again to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Wanting to obey his word, walking in the fear of the Lord. And that really we put in the work because there's a lot of work that it takes. It's necessary in order to allow that mindset and that change to take place. And, and, then, and then lastly, ask the Holy Spirit for help Amen. because it is the power of the Holy Spirit renewing us, transforming our lives, conforming us into his image. And he is so, so faithful. All right. So we are to treat our spouse as being more important than we are. So how do we do that? Well, notice what Paul says. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others, value others. It's better than himself. Verse 4, he says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. And so here's the thing. If you study people who have been, who are still in love after a long, long time, you'll discover that they have learned this secret. They've learned the importance of showing interest in the things that interest their spouse. Let me say that again. They've learned the secret of showing interest in the things that interest their spouse. How many of you have heard of the book or read the book, The Five Love Languages? Okay. Okay, a lot of you. How many of you have heard of it? How many of you have actually read it? You've read the book. Okay. Quite a few of you. That's good. Um, so you guys know, if you haven't read it, basically um, the author of this book, Gary Chapman, he, he presents that everyone has these five basic love languages, and they are uh, words of affirmation, time and attention, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, I will be honest. We were given this book probably within the first year of our marriage. And I looked at the cover and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And where is this in the Bible? And I literally put it on a shelf for like 20 years and never, ever read it. But I can't, I've come to realize, though, that what is laid out in this book is such a practical picture of what Paul's talking about here in Philippians chapter 2. And I think Gary Chapman hits the nail on the head in these five love languages that basically he's saying that all of us have, there's these, these five primary love languages. And of course, we, we all express love in all five of these ways. And we want to experience love in all five of these ways. But there's usually one that is a primary um, in our own lives, that we have a primary love language in the sense that it's the way that we like to receive love. Okay? Okay, so for Rob, his primary love language is time and attention. He is the happiest 
when he's with me. <laughs> and he's always True. thinking about ways that we can be together and hang out and enjoy one another. And I learned right away when we got married that Rob loved it when I would sit down and watch sports on TV with him. Now, I like playing sports, but to sit down and watch sports on a television, it was more challenging for me. I would sit for a while, but I would eventually get up and want to go to the kitchen or do something. Um, But you know what would always happen within minutes is I'd hear Rob saying, babe, where are you? (laughs) Get back in here. You just missed this play, you know, and he'd want to rewind Rewind. it for me. (laughs) You got to see this. Sit back down. So, you know, I'd get back down. And, you know, today with DVRs and you can fast forward and rewind and fast forward. uh, It's crazy. So, you know, capture everything and make sure I see it. But but all this to say that, honestly, it kind of used to drive me nuts when he wanted me to always just plant myself and be there the entire time. And, you know, I'd get frustrated sometimes. Because selfishly, I'd rather be doing something else. But then I did begin to realize that he just wanted time with me and that this is his main primary love language. So I did try to become more intentional to stay put, pay attention to the game, and um, really show him in practical ways that, you know, I valued our relationship. And really, I think that over time, I I really began to enjoy sports, like sports that, I mean, I understood basketball, and um, I liked football, but golf and baseball and all of those, you know. I I don't know why it is, but on Sunday after church, I come home, and I I eat lunch, and for some reason, I like to just put on the golf tournament. There's always a golf tournament on Sunday. You know, I put it on, and she'd start watching it. She's a big-time, you know, Phil Mickelson fan, and, you know. Um, but I tell you, one time, we were watching a football game together, and she's, I mean, like, she really, she, she did kind of start getting interested in what I was interested in. That's what kind of happens, you know. So she's getting into this game, and she's just, you know, yelling. I mean, she's more excited than I am. She's yelling at the TV and everything. And I had to tell her, I said, babe, I'm rooting for the other team, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but then... Yeah, now, and now I just on purpose to aggravate him. He, he's a Dodger fan, so I'm Padres all the way. <laughs> she doesn't know a single player on the Padres. <laughs> But, but I'll wear the hat. We would go to one game with these friends of ours every year, and she would pull out her Dodger hat or Dodger, or, I mean, her, her Padre hat or Padre dir, jersey just to aggravate me. It's Keeping evil. the love alive. <laughs> so, yes, my primary love language is time and attention. Okay, so... Now, listen, I love Rob, and I love time and attention, too. Um, But my primary love language is acts of service. Um, I express my love for Rob and for the kids by doing things for them. I find enjoyment in the baking and the cooking and taking care of the home. (laughs) Um, I'm task-oriented because I want to show love through action. So that's my Yeah, When our our kids were were younger, and they would go off, like, for... uh, camp church camp or something you know she would go in and clean their rooms like spotless like just just to bless them you know i'm thinking like they're slobs let them you know pick up for themselves but you know she well, would just okay do it was that. only once in a while a special occasion i'd go in deep clean move furniture around, maybe paint a wall, and they come home so excited and so thankful. Um, They probably liked it a little too much. Um, But on the other hand, just a side note, if I deep clean our house, change of move furniture around, maybe paint a wall, maybe paint the entire house, (laughs) he can walk in and be oblivious. (laughs) Just completely oblivious, right? Yeah. So anyways... Just that was just a side note. <laughs> okay, but no, he's gotten way better. I promise. In our our the, the yeah, you've gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. Um, there used to be assistant pastor here at the church. Um, his name was Gaylord. He was like the main assistant. And I was a youth pastor, and and he'd say, "Hey, come here," and and we'd start walking through the building, and he would like stop every 10 feet and rearrange something and pick up a paper or something. And so I actually do that 
here all the time. But when I go home, I like just, you know, but... Yes, you have gotten far better at it, though, well, I'm and, noticing. And, and this is a point, because we were talking about this today, that um, her, Denise's, I guess you might call her secondary... Yes, we're getting off trail, but yes, my secondary <laughs> love language is, is words, words of, of affirmation. affirmation. And so I have to learn to... Notice, notice things, say, you know, and a lot of times job, I don't. Babe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, my main love language is access service. So I feel loved when Rob will take the initiative to say, hey, can I help you? Or let's do a home project together. Or when he sees the dirty clothes hamper and he takes it out on his own or fills up the gas tank, you know, those to me, that's like okay. where I feel his love. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about the five love languages. And this is where so many people go wrong on it is this. The challenging thing about the whole love language thing is that we tend to express love the way that we like to receive love. That's where we make the mistake. So for instance, you know, I'm trying to show Denise love by, by saying, you know, hey, let's go do something together. But when, you, when you're doing that, you're not loving your spouse the way that they need to be loved or are interested in being loved. And so for me, you know, it's time and attention. And so on my day off, I take one day off during the week. My day off is Friday and I want to go do something fun. You know, I want us to, you know, go bike ride or go, you know, down to the beach or, or go, you know, I just, I just want to go be with her, get away from, you know, things, not think about things. And, um, but that's oftentimes not the way Denise thinks about our day off. Yeah, of course. I would say, yeah, well, let's first spend time together getting our little tasks done around the house or when we had young kids and all of that, the things for the kids. And then let's go play. Then I'm all about playing. If there's still time. Okay? There's that's time. the key. <laughs> so as you imagine, I'm sure you guys can identify whatever your love languages are. We're often far different. And so... Our differences were a challenge for both of us for many, many years, um, especially, I feel like, when we were raising the kids. And it was easy for me to want to make my kids the priority of whatever time and attention there was to give. And so it takes time and effort to grow in our walks and learn to how to understand one another and for those attitudes to change and be willing to give and take. And so, um, yeah, for me personally, I can say I'm so grateful 30-plus years now. I'm, th- I'm thankful, and I tell him often thank you for, for just making me go out and have fun and, and spend that time because it brings so much joy and keeps the marriage thriving and alive. So thank you, babe, for that. Um, I will tell a quick story, though. So, so he was always the one, you know, that was the romantic and, you know, he, and, you know, planned things out and everything. So I decided one year, this is, the kids were little, that I, I was going to try to do this. And so um, Don Hill actually told me, oh, you should think about going up to Julian and get a bed and breakfast. I'm like, okay. So I went online. And this is back when being online, I didn't even really know how to do that. I'm trying to figure out a budget. So I found a place that was within our budget, you know, got a babysitter, packed his bag, surprised him. And I think it was a Sunday night after church, just back when we used to have Sunday yeah. night. And then I'm like, we're, we're heading out. And he's like, what? Or a Sunday morning. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So he was so excited that I was actually planning something. And the whole... First like, time. Like, he's just like, like a little kid. He's so, so excited, right? Until I had... East rather than West because he's a beach guy, right? And I take him up to Chicktown Julian. <laughs> so, but you know, he's still, you know, anyways, long story short, we, okay, we get to Julian and so then he's, he's aware, okay, you know, what I'm up to. And so he'd see a bed and breakfast. Is that the one? I'm like, I'm looking at the address. No, it's not that one. Okay. Kid you not. We ended up going into this like neighborhood and up someone's driveway and behind their house and it was literally like this little tin shed with the little haystack and the 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 flower garden was just this weeds you know and I just start bawling I'm like I'm a failure and I mean we worked through it he of course he was disappointed but he was so awesome (laughs) 
I will say, I will say my first words were, how much did you pay for this? Uh, but we stayed. I wanted to we go actually home, had a great we stayed time. and we did have a great time. And I think the whole point of that is, you know, it really, I saw how much he appreciated that I at least put in the effort. <laughs> and I have now voluntarily gone to Chicktown Julian, where there are antique shops and good pie. Um, but, uh, but you know, she, I appreciated that, that she was like, you know, I want to, I know time and attention, you know, I want to do something for you. And I have learned that, you know, I married a girl that likes yard work and she likes to do things. And so, you know, when, whenever I, I've learned, you know, I, I didn't grow up in a house that, you know, my dad was not a handyman. I didn't, you know, have those skills, but I have learned. Thank God for YouTube, right? You know, being able to walk, how do, how do I do this? You put on YouTube and, and I've, I've done some things. I laid a floor, you know, and, 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 and she'll post on Instagram, you know, a picture of my it. My man. It's speaking. Yeah. My man is speaking my love. Language. language, you know, and, and I'm like, yes, you know, and I learned something that when I get all hot and sweaty, like she thinks I'm hot, you know, and so it's like, all right, and, uh, but it's true, but here's the thing. So discovering your spouse's primary love language and seeking to show love to them in that way is a great way of doing what Paul is saying to do here in Philippians chapter 2. You're valuing someone above yourself by showing interest in things that maybe, maybe don't normally interest you. But this is a key to, to staying in love, is seeking to bless one another. Having this mindset, I want to challenge you. Here's your challenge for tonight is this thought, how can I bless my spouse in every area? Too many people come into marriage thinking, how are they going to bless me? How is she going to take care of my needs? How is he going to meet my needs? We need to flip that and come into it with this mindset of, how can I bless my spouse in the day-to-day responsibilities in the bedroom, in every aspect of the marriage. And here's what what happens. When you find two people who are madly, passionately in love, their lives are being intertwined and they're intersecting all the time. And they've learned how to speak each other's love languages by being intentional. That's the key word about showing interest in things that don't normally or might not normally interest them. And so they, out of love, because they're esteeming, they're valuing their spouse as more important than them, they're showing interest in the things that interest their spouse. And when they do that, guess what happens? Just like what happened with Denise, they actually get interested in the things that interest their spouse. You know, I'm now a little bit interested in antique shops. A little bit, okay? <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If both people are doing that, if both people are, are following that model and seeking to you know, show interest in the things that, that maybe don't interest them but interest their spouse, and you have two people that are doing that, it's like watching two people dance who really know how to dance. There's a beautiful rhythm about that relationship. Now, one of the things that will be a key to showing interest in one another's in the things that in one another and what interests one another is healthy communication. You know, Peter writes in 1 Peter 3 that the husband is to dwell with his wife in understanding. We talked about this last week. And how do you do that? Well, one way is you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But the other way is you have to communicate. You have to ask questions. You have to be willing to listen. You need to be willing to know what your wife is thinking, what your spouse is thinking and feeling and, and you know, th- things that, that they're going through. And in our relationship, I think I have been generally better at communication than you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely better communicator. Um, I totally tend to hold things in. 
partly because it's just harder for me to be vulnerable and honest with how I feel and, and really, I think, afraid of maybe what the response will be or will not be. Uh, partly it's I hate confrontation. And then I just want to be a peacemaker. I just want to go with the flow and, and do you know, what he wants to do. And so early on, even though I thought that was a, a good thing, like, you know, not really voicing things, uh, it turned out it to not be a good thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, just having to work through that and understand and learn and know that good communication, it's, it's vital to a healthy relationship. Really, it's essential. And I'm not going to say what it was, but even this morning, we ended up having to have like a really candid, I normally something I wouldn't have told him from something that happened. I just would have internalized it because of preparing for this i was like you know what no i need to be honest and just tell him what really how i'm thinking and and even though that was really challenging for me it was freeing for me so it's important that we do that but here's the thing guys you have to be and it goes both ways but i think this is sometimes harder for us guys is you have to be willing to want to hear and to want to listen when you're saying, hey, what's going on? What's bothering you? I remember we were at a, a marriage retreat or a pastor's retreat, and the guy that was leading it, he, he said, okay, I want you guys to go out now and spend the next cup, like two hours out by this lake. And ladies, I want you to share the things on your heart that you know are bothering you about your marriage. And guys, I don't want you to say a word. That was so hard. <laughs> it was first hard for her to to want to talk at first, but when she started talking, man, I wanted I didn't to re- stop. I wanted to rebuttal, <laughs> but I wanted to rebuttal, like you know. But it was like, nope. He said to be quiet, you know. And I'm like, okay, I got to just sit and, and and listen and take this in. But but the I know why he did that is because especially. You know, for for those of us, you know, and I think this is typical of pastors, but I think anybody that if you're a, a leader in some way, you know, our tendency just we go into okay, she's she's telling me a problem, I need to fix it. You know, I used to do this her all the time. She started telling me a problem. I'm like, I'm gonna put my pastor hat on. You know, like okay, you know, and and uh, but just learning to listen. So what we want to do to just kind of wrap this up is we want to talk about a few things that can break down communication in a marriage. And then we want to talk about, finish up by talking about what can build it back up or what can strengthen it. So what are some of the first things that you would say um, can break it down? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the number one things is just the busyness of life. I mean, when, when we see each other in the hall and we ask, how are we? What's the first thing most people say? They, they default to how busy their lives are, how stressed out they are. And um, so I think really the busyness is far worse today than it was when we were raising our family. I mean, there's such a high percentage now where it's a two-income family. Both the husband and the wife are working full-time jobs outside of the home. We have a a far more percentage of um, families that are homeschooling now because of just the craziness of the public school system and that culture. And so they're having to make sacrifices and make all these changes to, to, um, to homeschool. And it's nonstop. And um, although it reaps great rewards and it's a blessing uh, for the children's lives, boy, it adds an enormous weight on... Um, and busyness and just the weight of all of that, especially on the moms who are doing it. I know sometimes the dads are a part of that and help, but I see that a lot. There's just this crazy, they just can't even get their breath. There's so much. And you add on to all the other stuff that goes on in a normal day, the carpooling, the after-school activities, sports, lessons, church, youth activities, shopping, cooking, cleaning, all just you can go on and on and on. By the end of the day, you're just pure exhaustion. And uh, I think that that just makes for really a challenge in yeah. communication. Absolutely. Busyness. I mean, we're, we're busy. Like she said, you know, you talk to anybody and it's like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm so busy, you know, life's so busy. And that's kind of the world that, that we live in. especially I think here in Southern California, it's, it's overextended, but sometimes this is the mistake that I think that we can make is that we can say this, Oh, this is just a season. You know, this is just a season. 
And we have to be so careful that the season doesn't become the norm. And so what, what we have learned to do is to be intentional about mapping things out and, and to, to try to look at like, okay, yeah, we know we're in a season of busyness right now. When we were in Oregon, um, we were moving from uh, a school into um, a business park building where we were going to have our first, you know, own uh, building as a church, but we had to remodel the thing, and um, we set a goal that we wanted to be in there like in three months, and so me and this group of guys were literally, I was over there every single day at like seven in the morning, I did not get home till midnight, and um, it was crazy, I mean, it was dumb, really, to be honest And I with was you. pregnant with our third child. <laughs> Yeah, it was crazy. It was, yeah. So we got two and one on the way and, and she's not seeing me for like three months, you know, basically. And it took a toll, you know, and we did not handle that the right way. We grew distant. Um, she grew somewhat resentful. Um, I was kind of oblivious. I'm doing this for God, you know, that whole, you know, kind of a thing. And, um, so we've learned now that we need to kind of map things out and when is a season going to end? And, you know, here's some things that we need to do in order to survive it. Um, even right now, we're in a season where um, I've shared this before, but our 31-year-old daughter lives with us. She was uh, in an abusive relationship and ended up divorced, and so she lives with us along with our four-year-old grandchild. So, you know, we went from being empty nesters for a year, it was glorious, um, to having a two-year-old and our 29-year-old daughter, you know, living with us. And um, it's wonderful um, but you know, Denise on top of, you know, taking care of our house and, you know, she watches our, our grandson, you know, a lot. And then she also is running a ministry here at the church and she helps out with our other, uh, grandchild that's here in town. I'm very busy in what I'm doing. And so sometimes we'll just look at the calendar and, and we'll go, okay, we need to mark off some days that we're going to get away. That just for our own sanity to kind of reconnect, we need to just, you know, mark off some time to be able to, to get away. So busyness definitely can break down communication. Here's another one. Unresolved conflicts. Conflicts are a normal part of marriage. This might surprise some of you. Hopefully it doesn't stumble any of you. But your pastor and his wife, we fight. Um, you know, we do have our, our moments. And, you know, the Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. But when iron is sharpening iron, what do you get? Sparks, right? Sparks are going to fly. Well, that's also what happens in a marriage relationship. And so um, we're going to spend some time at a future one of these sessions talking about healthy conflicts and how to walk in forgiveness. But here's another one that breaks down communication. Um, it's what I would just simply call bad habits and falling into routines because we can just find ourselves in a place where we start just kind of going through the motions you know you come home and you know i'm like you know hey babe how was your day yeah fine <laughs> and how's your day and i'm like fine. fine and and you know unless you're like a secret agent um you know your your days kind of all look the same, right? You know, it's not like you have something incredible that happens every single day. And so it's easy to just kind of come home and it's like nothing really new to talk about. And when our kids were, were younger, sometimes, you know, she was just exhausted to, you know, want to be able to talk about something. And so this is what happens. Oftentimes when couples, you know, just get busy, they fall into these routines, is that the marriage begins to resemble a business. And you basically have two partners coming together occasionally to talk about the firm and communication revolves around schedules and bills and the kids, but there's nothing that is building the relationship. There's nothing that, that is really pouring into it to, for it to be vibrant. And so what, what's the relationship doing? It's maintaining. That's all it's doing. It's simply maintaining 
So in the midst of that, we have to learn to be selective about when we're going to talk about certain things. You had an insight on that? Yeah, I mean, you said it. I just think it's important that we're aware of the timing of some of those conversations, even though we know we need to communicate. There's so many times where I want to start talking about something to Rob, and I just get this little, like, uh, it's just, you know, just having that awareness of each other's day, what's going on in your spouse's life, and, and just knowing, you know, certain things, if it's really important, you don't want to, you know, get, get in a bed at the end of the day and then want to, you know, have this really serious yeah. conversation about one of the kids or something. Ladies, just... listen, listen, all the ladies, listen. <laughs> 11 o'clock at night is not the time to bring up, hey, we should talk about this, okay? I, wait, men probably do it too. It's not just a female thing, right? But yeah, timing is so, so important to be aware of. It's more of a ladies thing. It just is. I'm, I'm telling you. So, so we, we can get busy. We get into the routines. And all of that can kill the vibrancy, you know? And, it, and we find ourselves just in that place of we're just maintaining. So how do you build communication? How do you make it where suddenly you have some things to talk about? Well, we want to share um, a couple of things that have really, really helped us. And um, we found ourselves in a place where this is several you know, years ago. But our marriage, I would just say it, it became stale. It wasn't vibrant. Um, and, you know, I think both of us felt it and we were like in a place where it's like, just, you know, I don't like this, but I don't know what to do about it. And so we intentionally start, intentionally started doing something that was really, really helpful. Now, as part of our being submitted to Jesus individually, remember, that's the foundation one of the things that Denise and I both have always done in our individual relationship with the Lord is have a healthy devotional life. Our time with Jesus individually has always been really, really key for us. And one of the things that we both did was journal. And, um, you know, I heard a pastor friend of mine really encourage that idea of journaling, and I had never done that before. And I know sometimes guys, they hear the word journal, and they think that's a chick thing, you know, because they think a journal is a diary, but that it's not. Guys, they make journals out of leather. I mean, they're like really cool. And, and, and so the idea behind journaling is you're writing down the things that God is speaking to you. You're going through the word and you're saying, I want to take something that God is speaking to me today. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to take my journal with me. Now, I journal now on my iPad and I journal in an app that is also on my phone. So my journal is with me all day long that I can pull it up at any time and do what the psalmist says about meditating on the word. And so I'm looking back over, you know, what God is speaking to me. But this is the, the pastor who um, encouraged us in journaling said this. He used this analogy. He said, you know, what does a, a secretary do? When her boss, you know, rings the buzzer and says, you know, hey, Trixie, come into my office, you know, and she comes in. What does she, she comes in, um, in the old days, she came in with a pen and a paper, right? Today she might come in with an iPad. And what is that, what is she saying? I'm coming in expecting that you're going to tell me something that I need to write down and that I need to do. Well, that's the idea in journaling, is I'm coming before the Lord with a heart of expectation as I'm getting into the Word and I'm saying, God, I'm coming with an expectation that you're going to speak to me right now and whatever you say to me, I'm going to write it down. Because I want to remember it, I want to meditate upon it, and this is what I found in my own life, God honored that. The Bible says that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and when I come with, you know, iPad in hand or pen in hand with a sense of like, God, I'm expecting you to give me something that I'm going to write down, he speaks to me. Almost every single day, he gives me something, you know. So this is what we started to do um, with our journaling. 
Yeah, so when we were in that stagnant, stagnant kind of season, we decided, okay, on the day off when we have time together, that we would get out our journals uh, during breakfast or lunch whenever, and that we would, get, we would share from them with one another. And I actually really liked that because, I don't know, I just have a harder time communicating and so verbalizing things to, to him and, and a little intimidated to do it. So for me, it was actually freeing because I love to write. And so I would just sit there and read him my journal. And um, so that was, that was really, really, really helpful for both of us to be able to hear one another's hearts and what God was doing. And it just, like, it prompted just great conversation as we would begin to share with one another uh, what the Lord was showing us. And I'll tell you, guys, I learned so much about her through that process because she was sharing with me the deepest things that God was speaking to her about. And it was such a simple little way, you know, of doing that. I will say this, though. It was a little intimidating at first because the way... Denise is poetic. And so the way that she, you know, writes in her journal is like this, good morning, Lord. And she, you know, writes this, you know, kind of thing. And me, I'm like... Okay, verse 5 spoke to me in this way. You know, it's like archaic, like super simple. So she'd start reading, and I'd just want to, like, close mine up and be like, you know, like, that, I'm sorry, I have nothing to say, you know? But, uh, but I had to get over that, okay? And that's what I was going to say, guys. If this sounds intimidating to you, I just want to encourage you to get over yourself, all right? Because your wife is craving this type of interaction with you. In all the years that I have done marriage counseling and 36 years of you know, being a pastor, it's the number one thing that I hear ladies say that they wish their husbands would do with them more is spend time talking to them about spiritual things. They crave it. I learned this when we were just dating. Um, Denise and I went, um, you know, when we were first dating, you know, I mentioned last week I took her to the chart house and, you know, I like to be active. So it was like, hey, you want to go for a bike ride? You want to go bowling? You want to go miniature golf? I always was thinking, like, what could we go do? And there was this one particular day where I literally, like, asked her, like, five things. She didn't want to do any of them. And then I had this thought. I think we had, like, a scrapbook or something, and it had pictures of family. I said, I said, you want to read the Bible together and maybe look at the pictures, these family pictures, and just spend some time praying over our family members. And she's like, yeah, let's do that. And, and we did that. You know, we read, and then we spent some time looking at these pictures and praying for each of our family members. And at the end of that time, as I took her home, she was like, thanks. I had a really great time today. Now, I'd spent a ton of money on her and never had to react like that, you know? That type of enthusiasm. And, and the bell went off in my head. It was like, oh, two things. Like, oh, she likes it when we spend time doing something spiritually. And the carnal side of me said, and it didn't cost me anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but time. But, but, but it was true, you know? And, and it was such... That simple little thing of sharing our journals together was such a great way of building and learning how to communicate. And what we did back then, we sort of naturally do now. Um, we don't you know, do that same practice in that type of way very often anymore. But quite often, like, we'll just, we're getting in the car and she'll be like, I'll just say, hey, where were you reading? You know, where, where are you at? Where are in your devotions? Where are you studying? You know, what's God showing you? And, and, and she'll just start sharing and she's become much more free in, in sharing and not even having to read, but just like, hey, and, and it's that iron sharpening iron that, you know, is happening and taking place. Yeah, and the point is you want to create like content, things to talk about besides the normal house things and the kids and all of that. And so books, one of the things we're doing right now is just we love listening to podcasts together when we're in the car driving together. Now, I know if you have kids in your car, it doesn't work. But for us, if you're in that season, love it. We can pause it. I can wait, wait, I'm going to talk about that. Did, what, did you agree with that? What do you think about that? And it's just like, just so like, it's just, it just builds yeah. up our marriage. It's 
yeah. gets us thinking and growing together spiritually in so many ways. So. So it's being intentional about finding things to do like that that are going to build your communication. We've read books together, and and I don't mean like we're sitting down and like, okay, you read a paragraph and I read a paragraph. No, no, no. We're reading it on our own, but then we would get together and we would talk about it. Like, hey, what'd you think of that chapter? What'd you think of that thought? And 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 it just builds. And so that's the key. But you have to be intentional. And this is where a lot of a lot of you know. Um, Couples, they don't do this. You know, it can be so easy for us to just fall into that trap where we come home and we talk about trivial things. We get in bed, we turn on the TV, TV. (laughs) we zone out, and um, that's not building. I mean, there's a place for that. I mean, there's definitely times where we're brain dead and we want to just zone out and relax in that way and share something, you know, together. But it's being in that place where, where you're just looking to be intentional. And the other thing I would say is this, be intentional about dating. For us, dates are non-negotiable. They have always been, um, even when we had kids. Um, we date now that we don't have kids almost every week um, on both of our calendars. My calendar says on Friday, Denise Day. Hers says Rob Day. And we just set aside that day like this is our day to just be together and connect together and do fun things, you know, together. And it's interesting. I mean, we schedule everything else, right? Why not schedule that time and say this is non-negotiable. This is our time together. And, you know, sometimes we might get dolled up and go, you know, out somewhere, um, you know, fancy Usually not that much. Um, we're both pretty casual, you know, people. Um, but I'll tell you this: I don't know a couple that dated on a consistent basis that has ever had serious problems. And one of the things I like to encourage couples in this way: take turns planning the date, and you plan it in relationship to your spouse's love language. In other words, you're not, and then sometimes <laughs> I, I'm doing this with couples in counseling and like they, they don't get it. It's like, I'm going to plan a date. I'm planning what I want to go do, you know? No, plan something that you think that she would want to do. Hey, let's go to some antique shops today and, you know, whatever kind of a thing. And, and, uh, and what are you doing? You're valuing them. You're showing interest in something that interests your spouse. Yeah, and we realize not all of you have a full day off together, uh, some, but sometimes it's just a couple hours. There were years where, you know, that was the case when the yeah. kids, it was just we had a few hours, you know, and so just simple, the walks, it, touching one another, just holding hands and taking a walk and, and talking, and um, but be creative. It does not have to cost money to go and yeah. date and have fun together, and it's just so, so important. And, uh, and be spontaneous. Um, it's actually kind of funny. I shouldn't even tell them because then they're all going to be doing it. And then we'll, but when, one of the fun things that he did, it started a couple years ago is sometimes we'll like at sunset, we'll go park on the cliffs there in Carlsbad, roll down the window. We've got the ocean. And then, and then he's downloaded like a movie on the iPad and we sit there and watch a movie and have the sunset. It didn't cost a thing. So Things like that. Just be yeah. creative. So anyways, yeah, make it a priority. Okay, so good. Um, so as we close tonight, couples who stay in love learn to make love a verb, action word, by valuing one another, by showing interest in the things that interest your spouse, by learning to speak the love language of your spouse, and by being intentional about building your communication, by finding ways. You know, we shared our ways. You might need, that might not work for you. Maybe it's something else that, that you guys are doing that are putting you in place where it's, you know, giving you an opportunity to build that communication together and find some things to talk about. Amen? Make sense? You guys with us? Yes. All right. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for um, these precious men and women 
and these couples represented here. And God, I pray, um, Lord, that the things that you put on our heart to share tonight, um, God, I pray that, that as this has gone forth, Lord, I pray the things that are resonating and that are from you for, for the, the couples here, Lord, that they would be able to take that and really pray that in and talk about that and, and see how to make that a part of their life. Lord, I pray for any couples here that maybe just feel stuck. Lord, I pray that some of the things that we shared tonight, these just simple little things would help them get unstuck. Lord, I pray for those couples here tonight that are um, just... Their marriage is vibrant. Lord, I pray that maybe some of these things that we talked about tonight would be like adding fuel to a fire that is already ignited. And Lord, I pray for any of the couples here tonight that maybe are in a place where they've been just struggling, that um, Lord, that this would give them hope, that you love them, that you are, desire so much to um, bless their marriage relationship and to be such an incredible part of it. And so, Lord, we, we just thank you so much that you love us, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to empower us. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just now go before us and that these homes represented here, these marriages represented here tonight, would just be radically blessed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.